0: So, welcome back to another episode of Magna Meets, and I can't tell you how excited and thankful I am to be joined by this particular guest. I'm joined by Cam, who is uh, an ultra-property developer in London, and I'm sure in other pockets of the country. Um, Cam, thanks so much for, for joining me on the Magna Meets podcast. Well,
1: well, John, thank you very much for having me on your podcast. It means a lot when people ask me, Yes. and I pick and choose who I sit with. And yes. I'm happy that we're sitting together and I hope I can live up to the expectations <laughs> I'm of sure you will. how you've described me. I'm sure yeah. you will. I'm sure but thank you, will. you for having me.
0: First real insight was the Channel 4 uh, documentary that was um, hosted by a tiny temper. Yeah. And it, it sort of shone the spotlight on the uh, mega extension. Um, now this particular property, naturally would have drawn millions of people's interests. Yes. Um, if you can go into that and, and sort of give us an idea of where it stands at the moment, I mean just, just from my understanding this was a previous Panamanian Embassy, yes. it was the former home of Dame uh, Margot Fontaine a ballerina and it was purchased what 10 years ago yes. 11 years ago for about what 22 million pounds
1: You've done all my job for me. <laughs> yeah, so Amberwood House is is probably one of my prides of the, of the, of the package of properties we've developed over the years. Mm. As you say, it, it was an ex-Panamanian embassy. Yes. Um, it is a, I would say, a trophy asset. Mm. Um, we did buy it circa 22 million. But that's a long, long, long time ago. Yes. And we've spent a lot, lot more on it since then. We've, we've changed it. I mean, the word mega-basement mm. says it all. Mm. Um, what we have done is, what I don't like to call basements, because basements are normal dark and dingy places. What we have created is a masterpiece. And by that I mean, and you're welcome to come and have a look one day. Sure. But we, well, we've created a two-level lower ground floor, natural light, mm-hmm. the biggest... A private swimming pool in central London, um, a spa that could um, match any spa of a seven-star hotel. Yes, it is luxury to the ultimate.
0: Twenty-two million pounds is still a hell is uh, still a hell of a lot of money in yeah. today's terms, regardless of inflation. <coughs> um, you know, these these numbers seem probably the norm in your world, but to the to the mere mortal. Um, sitting opposite you. These are numbers that people can only really sort of dream of or, or hopefully one day come, come to the sort of a experience of dealing with these numbers. Naturally, you didn't start off there, right? Yeah. So taking a couple of steps back and looking at uh, your, your starts in the property world, was it that, Cam, you became, or were destined to, to, to end up in property? Or um, was it by accident?
1: Well, it was a very good question and i hope i'm not going to bore you too much no, please, so i'm please my ahead. background is from iran okay so i was in iran until the age of 10 okay uh, moved to uk and at the customs i said how long will you stay here i said two weeks so it's the longest two weeks of my life and that was in 1979 i was a 10 year old sure Kept coming through customs with my uncle and two weeks turned out to be 44 years now God rest his soul, I lost my father this year, so it you know, happens to all of us. We're on that, on that train, but it's, there's a relevance to that. Because I remember as a seven, eight-year-old, he was a, 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 what we call a super developer in okay. Iran. So he'd do track building and new homes of, of, of today's money, probably £4,000 and £3,000. And in fact, even now, he had in his safe, when I was looking through it, the pile of um, land registries, because there's no mortgages in Iran. Yeah. So and, and he had land registries that he, in his will, he said, just pan them out to people. They still owed him two pounds and four pounds and three you know, 50 Amazing. pence. And yeah. So I remember going to building sites at the age of seven or eight. I didn't have the privilege going to South of France in the summer, like most people do. <laughs> so I'd be sitting in these streets, dust these roads, streets, playing with my marble. And then every so often, I'd come back and see, wow, this building has gone up. So I've always had it in my blood. Yeah. Moved to UK... Um studied a little bit. I wasn't very good at it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll rephrase, I was good at it, but I wasn't focused enough. Fine. So at the age of 17, my father says, you've left school, you come back home. You're not gonna study, you come back home. And I said, no. He said, I wanna stay here. I don't mm-hmm. wanna come back home. There's war going on and everything. So, well, no money. You're gonna start looking after yourself. So I started working at a supermarket Mm-hmm. Stacking shelves because I was tall. Yes. So it was a good job for me to do a <laughs> stacking shelves. And I also wanted a car. So I remember buying a car for five hundred pounds and doing taxi driving. So I was doing taxi driving during the daytime, mm-hmm. stacking shelves, and at the same time partying with my friends who were quite affluent and had made it through their parents' money. Yeah. Um, I think that was the best thing that ever happened to me. The mm-hmm. fact that my father put me in a position whereby I had to realise what pounds and pennies were.
0: Yeah, you had to fend for yourself.
1: Yeah, so, I, I don't look at me now, I was quite fit. So I went, I went running a lot. Mm-hmm. I went past the car showroom, which says, salesmen required, company car providers, excellent. Two beds mm-hmm. with one stone. <laughs> so I, that's how I got into the car trade.
0: Got you.
1: And from the car trade, um, to answer your question, what it was I always destined, in the car trade, I grew to be one of the most luxurious car de- dealers in London. We had 18 different showrooms all over England. Mm-hmm. Um, my first ever car was from an auction. I made 250 pounds and I still remember it. To 17 different outlets all over UK. And then there came a time where I had a showroom with Lamborghinis, Ferraris, and Porsches, and whatever cars you could imagine, the hardest cars you could get. Mm. And I'd get Mr. X come in, and Mr. Y come in, and they'd just write a check for 100 grand. I would have made two or 3,000 pounds, and I was so happy. Yes. And I realized most of those people were in the property world. So they wrote a check for 100,000 pounds. In those days, you write a check, you wouldn't transfer the money. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: They didn't blink an eye. So I thought I'm on the wrong side of the table. Mm-hmm. So that's how it turned that I go back into property.
0: Got you. And so naturally you started to, well, we can see now that the instinct, the intuition to sort yeah. of make that transition started to sort of really, really sort of ferment in your, in your brain. What does a day in the life of a ultra prime developer look like? Talk us through start to finish if you can.
1: A lot of panic attacks for a single <laughs> woman. You got a lot of money out yes. and a lot of uh, developments and you know you have got deadlines to deliver. Um, I know I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a great believer that you're a long time dead, so I don't sleep much. Mm. I try to go to bed at 12, one o'clock, and I'm up at six, seven o'clock most days. Um, my normal day has to start with a coffee. Okay. Then I have to plan which building sites I'm gonna go visit. Mm-hmm. I am very hands-on. Right. I, I try to be involved. I'm not um, structurally minded, so I don't understand too much of the drawings. Mm-hmm. I get it, mm-hmm. but I'm not, I couldn't plan out a, a basement sure. and structural thing. But when it comes to the fit-out, um, I'd like to think that I'm quite um, quite smart in that. Yep. So it, it, my day starts by morning site visits, seeing what there is, seeing what could be changed, if it has to be changed. Mm-hmm. Then afternoons in the office, um, trying to put out fires with, with which builder we're going to use again, which contract we're gonna use, tenders and so on, that lands on my desk. I like to be pretty much involved.
0: And I think this is this is an aspect that many people will never see. Um, first and foremost they see the glitz, the glamour, you know, the, the the luxury postcodes. But like you said, you're fighting fires probably left, right and centre. Yeah. And the the stress levels are are something that uh, would you say you're managing better with experience or has it always sort of just hit you hard or is it a mindset thing that helps?
1: Yeah, you? I mean managing thing comes with knowledge and and kind of wiseness. If you're mm. getting, as you get older you get more wise. So you kind of have capital I and capital F. Okay. What if. So I've learned in the last 10 years to have that what if, whereby when I was in my 30s and 40s mm. I didn't. So. I remember suffering quite heavily as a result of not having a what-if because you just assume that you could buy a property and you're going to make money. What? It is the worst assumption you could ever make. Mm. In fact, you shouldn't make assumption when it comes to property. But as, as you grow wiser, you realise there is a lot of aspects and what you need to do to ensure that you come through
0: mm.
1: and deliver it. The only difference is then I was putting out one fire and now I'm in a bushfire. That's the only <laughs> difference, you know.
0: Being, at the time of recording, um, the, the, the sort of economic climate, specifically the property climate, which is what I'm more familiar with, um, what is your view on the market? I'm sure many people ask you, Cam, what's your view on the market and, and sort of projections, predictions, which I don't like getting into, but yeah. being on one end of the spectrum of the market, what is it like um, when there is volatility?
1: Well, uh, as you know, right now the the market is hugely volatile. Mm-hmm. Um, we are seeing um, a market in the in the stock market going up and down every day like a yo-yo. Mm-hmm. With property, slightly different. If you look at the history of property, mm-hmm. every decade it's doubled up in price. So, if you bought a property twenty years ago, thirty years ago, it would have gone from one million to two million, two million to four million, mm. four million to eight million, in forty years. Yes. So. There's always been that return. Now, that's on the back of inflation and how the world is changing. We're now seeing huge inflation again. Mm. We're seeing huge interest rate rises, not compared to the 2018s, sorry, 2008s, but they are huge. Mm -hmm. What do I think will happen? And if I had a crystal ball, which I will break immediately (laughs) because I don't like guessing, but my calculated thinking towards what will happen is tighten up your belts mm-hmm. make sure you can afford to pay your outgoings for the next six to eight months okay make sure that you keep your banks informed of what's happening if you're in trouble talk to them mm. if you speak to bank, banks they will listen That's really good advice. they don't they, they really do listen if you ignore them and put your head in the sand you will suffer
0: with, with our world, when you talk about property prices typically have doubled every 10 years um, you know, from, from historic data, what's really surprising, certainly in the short space of time that I've been in property, right? Um, it still surprises people. It's almost like the mind is reset to yeah. panic modes and panic stations, and people are thinking, what's going to happen? But you know, we're firm believers at, at MagnaCam that you only lose money in property if you need to sell the property and you suffer a loss. Or um, well, you crystallise that loss, but if you can sort of withstand that that sort of volatility, then yeah. naturally it's business as usual, right? Yes. Um, I think a big thing for for investors, certainly investors that we have coming through through our firm, is more mindset than actual property. Uh, you know, the idea of successful. There are thousands of investors. There are tens of thousands of developers, right? But not all are successful at the trade. Your social media, your presence. I've spent a little bit of time with you this morning. You are very inspirational, and I think whether you mean it or not, it just comes across. But you know, how important is that for you and and the people around you to make sure that they're they're on the right tracks mentally?
1: For me, it's very important that I come across as who I am, Mm. and I, I am a boarding school boy. Still love my fish and chips in the paper. <laughs> I still enjoy my walks and cycles. Mm-hmm. You like few the luxuries of life, of course, like we all do. But at the same time, I've recently got involved with this Instagram and social media because I do believe it's the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really do want... I'm so humbled when people send me messages saying, oh, so you're lucky, so you're amazing, mm. I wish we had your life. I always say your life is good. Enjoy what you have at the Absolutely. moment, because if you don't enjoy what you have at the moment, you will never like what you will have in the future. So it actually comes from my heart. It's not, it's not inspirational. I'm not trying to be clever. There's a lot of people out there doing it for, for money, for, for, to, to keep their livelihood. It, that's not for me. People have got the time for me. I have the time for people to try to get my message across.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Believe you me, I have weeks and months who, which are super stressful.
0: I mean, this week in particular, right? This,
1: well, we've got, in all businesses, you have to deal with challenges. Mm-hmm. And what I'm referring to this week is just decisions with banks at the moment. You know? When they put pressure on you, mm-hmm. at our level, you need to push back. You need to have answers. You need to get your ducks in a row in a business, get your files correct. Because if you don't, mm-hmm. it's only a domino. You've okay. got to be very, very careful how you approach your business partners. Mm. most importantly in our business is keeping your partners involved and pe- keeping them absolutely informed of what you're doing. Mm. So if you got partner, it could either be a joint venture partner or the bank. Yes. the banks are your partners as well. Keep everybody informed. When you make decisions, don't make optimistic decisions make realistic decisions. Tell the bank, I'm gonna need 12 months, not, not six months. Because if six months will go, got they'll it. be on your back.
0: Yeah, don't try and sell the bank. Correct. You know, this magical creature, banks are people behind the scenes, right? <coughs> yeah. and like you said, as long as you've got that level of communication with them, yeah. um, then naturally you start to see what you need from that relationship. Yes. People see your success, they never see, they see what you wear, what you're driving, where you live. They don't see the trials and the tribulations. Across the years, were there particular trials or tribulations that you really found in hindsight were the making of you?
1: It's a really good question. I suppose for me, a turning point in my property career was me getting made redundant from a car dealership. Got you. So I joined the Mercedes-Benz dealership as a salesman. Mm-hmm. That's going back many, many years yeah. now. One day, the sales manager, who became a good friend of mine, called me and said, I've bad news for you, Cam. I'm going to have to let you go. The recession is coming in. Fine. You were the last one in. You're the first one out. So I was in tears. I was literally in tears. Mm-hmm. Young guy, just been married. And I thought what am i going to do my world has fallen apart i was driving a mercedes benz 190 the next thing i'm i'm walking back home so that was quite a painful moment for me mm. and i think that was a turning point whereby i got home i said i'm not going to do this anymore i want to i would never let anybody tell me in my life how i'm going to lead it i would like to put myself in a position that i can make decisions mm. that gentleman making a decision for me that day really broke me
0: mm.
1: but I dusted off got up and made my thereafter I thought uh, and I'm sorry to sound I said I want to be my own boss sure because I can make decisions
0: and I think it's it's having that control right And I think this is quite quite characteristic of a lot of individuals who now are self-employed are their own bosses yeah there were certain moments in their, in, their, in their journey where they were almost sort of kicked off the cliff and you know, they're, they're having to then fend for themselves and survive. Similar to, you mentioned your dad leaving you almost to fend for yourself, yes. and that was the making of you. There are certain parts to the journey that again go amiss. Yeah. Um, you know You aren't here by luck. You know you're here because you're able to look at risk, you're able to look at situations and opportunities, and, and compartmentalise them very different to most individuals. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's certainly a credit to you. Projects that you're working on at the moment, um, give us an insight. We'd love to we'd love to know what you're working on, what's in the pipeline.
1: So, <clears throat> what what I've created, and I haven't trademarked it, but I, it is my. I call London, where I work, the platinum triangle. Okay. So the platinum triangle is Nicebridge, Kensington, um, Belgravia, Mayfair. So mm-hmm. It's a four-side triangle, but <laughs> 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 but where we are at the moment, if you look at the, the zone one, yes. I'd, like to, I'd like to say, I wonder, if I'm buying a property, unless it's an amazing trophy asset, mm. I'd like it to be a five-minute cab ride from Harrods. So why do I do that? Because as it opens the market for the whole world. Mm. Everybody knows London, everybody knows this Hyde Park where we are and all around it. So at the moment we've just agreed a deal on a house in Mayfair, okay. which is quite helpful in this market. We are going to be marketing a house in the next couple of months, which we touched on earlier at circa 75 to 85 million, wow. depending on what the market is, is demanding. I'm working on a two-bedroom apartment in Nicebridge, Mm -hmm. and I'm also working on a 47,000-square-foot home in Richmond Hill. So I'm not shy of working on big properties, small properties. I look at margin, Mm -hmm. and I look at what my time will bring, and how much time do I need to put into this to make it successful. Now, let me tell you, even now, with all my knowledge that you kindly said I do, I still make mistakes. Hmm. But one thing that's very important to me is make one mistake, learn from it, never make the same mistake again, go make a different mistake.
0: You clearly have just been open in the sense of you still make mistakes. I think there's a lot of fear when either you're beginning a journey as an investor or a developer, there's that fear factor of making a mistake and, and it's almost like um there's a cliché answer in interviews and it's, it's, it's laughed about in many cases where, you know, they say, what's your weakness, Cam? And nine times out of ten people say, oh, I'm a perfectionist. And it's a nonsense answer, right? The reality is, is that there are certain things that you just have to jump into. Um, yeah. And, you know, you find out by hook or by crook what that outcome is yes. without having that fear factor.
1: Don't overstretch yourself. That is the most and critical Part. Mm. The second part is plan, and then give it to one of your friends, give it somebody who's knowledgeable, older than you, wiser than you in business world, mm. and say, why should I not do this deal? Not why I should do this deal. Everybody will tell you why you should do it mm. because people like happiness, people want you to be successful. But the real, the real task is. Find somebody to tell you why you shouldn't do this deal.
0: Got you. So putting you back the other way. Yes. Giving you perspective. And
1: what I touched on, what if. Mm. And if you're going to spend 100,000, 10,000, add another 10% to it. Because I can tell you now, you will go over budget. What is very important is to have the right people around you. That is also a key point. Mm. Right decision makers, right people around you, Don't, do not be upset of making and changing decisions. Look at the the pros and cons while you're making that and face the punishment. If it means closing a company down, closing that building site down, selling at a loss, taking your money, going buying next door, doesn't matter if you're losing. Try not to lose, but don't hold on to a sinking ship.
0: You're looking at the bigger picture.
1: Don't hold on to a sinking ship, Mm. because if you hold on to something, before you know it, you will go down with the ship. Mm. Whereby, if you can take off a bar of gold from that ship, yes, you go and trade that and make it into two bars of gold. It's very true. And come back again.
0: Where do you get your inspiration from? Who do you get your inspiration from? Or are are you are you sort of self-sufficient? You feed yourself? No, no,
1: no. Listen, I'm always looking up to friends. I, I'm, I'm. I suppose the way to look, I've got two ears and one mouth, Mm -hmm. and two eyes. So I look a lot, Mm -hmm. I think a lot, I listen a lot. And I suppose my inspiration comes from where I live. Mm -hmm. I see London, I see, without a doubt, the capital of the world. I know people criticise me when I'm so
0: (laughs) uh, passionate passionate about that, but London is
1: the capital of the world. I'm inspired, I live here. You can't get wrong. And I see big buildings go up. I see the sky skyline in London change. And I get inspired. And I'd like to think that projects I'm doing are legacy. I'll leave something behind where my grandchildren probably go back. So, yeah, granddad did sure. that building or whatever. That's what, that's what drives you. Yeah, I get inspired because I'm, I want to do legacy projects. Mm. You know, I'd, I'd like to give back. I'd like to have assets in, 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 in England yeah. that we restore, we make it into most beautiful, what else you need to make your money?
0: If you were to pick three adjectives, three words that would best describe you, what would they be Cam?
1: <laughs> I think thick skinned, big heart, two ears, one mouth.
0: What makes your time more valuable than... Others. I'm going to tell you,
1: actually, I'm going to tell you a, a very quick story. Please do, yeah. Tell you a very, very quick story. And I think that will explain why time is important now yeah, for everybody. I used to, as I said, I was in a car business, mm-hmm. I had a ba- which I still have. Same bank account at Lloyd's Bank. The lady who used to sit on the front desk, and a, I know, forget her name now this is something new in my head sure. i did not know her name after last time I had this <laughs> she was just a at the, in the old days there was some personal relationship in the bank so you'd walk in the cashiers would be there the bank manager would be in a corner in a room and so on and so forth i'd say hello to her for many 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 months fast forward i got made redundant i went into the car deal car sales myself one day i went to an auction this is fast over in two years a year and a half two years I was buying, what I was doing, I was trading cars. Trading cars are like flipping property. Mm-hmm. You'd buy one, you'd sell it. But I'd get it underwritten. And by underwriting a a, a, a a car, it means you've already sold it to John or X or Y. So I'd phoned the dealer. I said, there's 18 pesos here. So I'd buy all 18. I'd buy all 18. Mm-hmm. So how much, da, 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 So it ended up, I looked at the numbers. If I buy this, this I'm going to make about 2,000 pounds on this. So I made... A calculated risk of putting my hands up for £62,000, thinking I'm going to take these cars, the next day I'll make £2,000, great return. Mm -hmm. Went there, he was sacked. The manager was sacked. I told the manager there, I said, no, 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 we can't do anything. New manager's not in, we can't buy it. I said, oh my God, what do I do now? Went to the, another branch of Lloyds Bank. All, all, those days, if you had have money, you could go and apply for a loan there and then. Who is the bank manager?s The lady who was in the reception two years before. Tapped on my What do you need? I said, come into my office. And within probably half an hour, 45 minutes, I had a £40,000 loan, which helped me mm-hmm. buy those cars. Because I was short £40,000. Yeah. Kept my face at the auction. Because if I didn't pay for those cars at the auction, I would have been banned. Mm-hmm. I couldn't go there again. So having time for people is actually quite important because mm. you don't know when you will meet them again.
0: Very, look, on that note, I don't think there's anything to add <laughs> to that. That is a great story. Um, look, I'd, I'd recommend the viewers um, to find out more. We'll put your social media handles and contact details sure. in, in the description below. Um, check out Channel 4's uh, Mega Extensions. I think that's a, an amazing watch. Um, Cam we've loved having you on appreciate the the words of wisdom the insight into your experience um, uh, you know look, good luck to you and, and all, all the all the sort of future successes that thank actually you. I'm sure you'll have uh, another episode of Magna Meets with Cam uh, and um, see you on the next episode
1: thank you John thank you